Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast, where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. I'm Ace Edwards, right alongside Connor Beltzazor. And today, we have two very, very special guests joining the show, returning the favor from when they graciously let us on Wildcat 91.9, which, uh, yeah, that was one of the experiences of all time. <laughs> Not sure why they ever let us on the radio. It was but a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. But ladies and gentlemen, I would like to represent and present to you the pride of Wildcat 91.9, the hosts of the great series Willie's Archive, as well as one of my personal favorite K-State podcasts of all time. And that is the Shaken Blake show represented by John and Blake. How are you two doing today, guys? Oh, my gosh. You guys are too kind. Uh, I'm doing pretty <laughs> well. You guys are too kind. You're flattering us. That, that 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 ultimate grand entrance right there. That was just that was just amazing. But it, so far, the day's been going well. Uh, just moved out of my apartment, so uh, it, I'm exhausted at this point. <laughs> Stressful times. There, there's no better time to do an episode yeah. than when you're running on fumes. <laughs> Ask 3 a.m. us recording like our tenth oh episode for the third time. Oh. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, gosh, we. We lost an entire recording because the audio was so messed up. So oh, we, were, no. we, you know, we got all the way done and I was like, all right, let's go to bed. And I was like, wait, let's make sure this worked. And I listened to it. And I was like, oh, man. I stayed oh. up until 4 a.m. editing. <laughs> <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. And hopefully I will never have to experience that pain again. I, I definitely will. But just getting to know, just getting to know both of you, uh, what, what really got both of you into, into doing the Shake and Blake show? So I guess uh, I can start. So um, going into the fall semester 2021, I knew I wanted to do stuff with the radio station. Um, I got the chance to talk to Ian Punnett, the faculty advisor for Wildcat 91.9. Um, he mentioned that they have an open spot on Fridays. And I was like, well, sure. I mean, I guess I'll take it. Um, at the time, I didn't have any, like, I didn't have a co-host. I mean, I just known John a little bit from work. Um, and I did my first show. I mean, like, I, I wrote it up. I had like over 3000 words typed in this notepad. I tried to plan everything out for an hour of talking and it obviously it went, it, it just doesn't work like that. I was still 10 <laughs> minutes short. I think I just, Oh, you couldn't pay me like a million dollars to listen to the last 10 minutes. Cause I was, hey, it was so cringy. <laughs> oh same. my God. You can't pay us to listen oh. to our first episode either. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately I do have it, but um, it's <laughs> never going to be heard anywhere. But, uh, and then uh, the next week I did it with one of my friends. And then, um, I don't know, I was working, I think it was like a soccer game or something. And uh, John was sitting next to this dude. We worked with Nick and he was talking, Nick was telling him about how we had a show at the radio station. You just got to talk. And John was like, oh, that'd be cool. Well, I was like, I'll just hit up John and see if he wants to do it. Um, I text him, ask if I'm just like, hey, this is like that one guy from work that you give weird looks to, um, <laughs> which oh, he yeah. does do. That's what I do. That's what I do. Yep. <laughs> Well, it makes it seem weird, but it's, it, it makes sense. Anyway, uh, we, I asked him to do the show. Uh, he said, yeah, and uh, we've been doing it ever since. So um, I'd like to think it's been going pretty well. Hopefully, um, John didn't feel coerced. Uh, I, was just, I was just thinking of a time you were on your own. It's like, oh, man, it's like a public, public speech type of presentation you're, you're putting out on the radio. I mean, that, that must have been brutal, but... Yeah, because it was after the Oklahoma State game um, when, yeah, yeah, that wasn't very fun. 
So yeah. And then I, like, I also picked every single NFL game and talked about it. Like I tried to give myself a bunch of content, but it's, it's just talking by yourself. I don't know how those radio people do it. I'm just not that kind of person to like, be like, I just, my brain can't like do all that at the same time. It's just too much. It's just too much. Yeah. Yeah. So for, for both of you, I guess we'll start with John on this question. Uh, What was the start of your, of your K-State fandom? Oh, so, so this goes a long ways back, back, back to when I was born. Uh, I, I was uh, in 2002. I, ironically, I was born in Lawrence, um, but my parents raised me a wildcat and my, and my dad um, threw up the last, uh, threw up the last, uh, what, what is it now? 20. So I think 20 years he has been, he's been the associate volleyball coach at Kansas state. Um, so it's, it's, it's been a, it's been a long, long while that I've been in Manhattan and, been enjoying it uh, ever since. Always been wearing purple. Uh, almost seems as if I was been wearing it every single day. So, uh, it been been a big K State fan for a long, long time. You know, John, I've been meaning to challenge you to see who has more K State merch in our closets. Uh, I think. What about Aggie think... Alley Cat merch? Who wins that competition? <laughs> <laughs> well, on the spot. On the spot. <laughs> well. <laughs> <laughs> give, give me some time. Give me, give me some time, Phillips. <laughs> Check out the official Aggieville Alley Cats merch. Store. <laughs> <It's> a, <laughs> that, that was a great plug. I, <laughs> great. This, this is top tier content. Seamless. Oh my god. Well, I guess you, I'll Mike? go ahead and go. So uh, I, I think it was pretty similar to John. It started from uh from pretty much from birth. I'm like a third generation K State student. So um. My dad has had season tickets since like the nineties or something. And they're like, they're like the most, probably the most underrated seats in the stadium. Cause they're like the upper, upper deck, but it's the first row of the upper, upper deck. So there's nobody in like in front of you. And it's also right on the 50 yard line. So you kind of get a view of the whole stadium. It's pretty chill. You get the um, old so 22 can, view. <laughs> yeah, I pretty, pretty much, but just from like the, uh, the East side. But yeah, it's that's I've been doing that. Um, I'm going to K State games pretty much every year. Um, I've been to some pretty good ones. I went to the quadruple overtime Texas A&M game. I was there when they won the Big Twelve championship. That was really cool. Um, man, there's been some there's been some tough ones too. Uh, pretty like after the 2012 it's a season and stuff. But um, yeah, I've always been a K State fan. It's just uh, it, this the you know the family atmosphere. It's just you know it's it's a truly special place. That quadruple overtime game was crazy. I was there as well for that game, and I, that was one of the best game experiences I think. It was I've so ever had. loud too. That was probably yeah. one of the loudest. Yeah. yeah awesome. My, that, ears, my ears were bleeding so much from that game. <laughs> also, I was the only one that wasn't there. Sick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you hadn't even been converted yet. No, you're I, right. I, oh. I had to look Mizzou, at. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, Mizzou still haven't even left the Big Twelve at that point. Really? Yeah, but yeah. by that annual yeah. quadruple overtime game, that would have been that last season that they were there. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Have Look you guys ever like? Us. Have you guys ever like lost your voice completely after a game? Completely? Yeah, maybe yeah. not completely, but like I remember, I think after the Texas game in 2012, my voice was like pretty like crackly, and it was like almost gone. It wasn't quite gone, but. Oklahoma uh, 19 for me. Uh, oh, yeah. That's fair <laughs> I've, enough. I've gotten pretty close uh, a few times. Oklahoma 19 was one. Uh, 
Gosh, I'm trying to think about other ones. Baylor t- this last year. Baylor this one of those year. guys was trying to fight me. <laughs> uh, Baylor, Baylor this last year. Um, I think OU this last year as well. I think we were we were definitely yelling at the direction of the OU sideline a lot. <laughs> and that's all we'll say. That's all we'll say. All right. So since you've started the show, there have obviously been a couple of highlights and admittedly a lot of lowlights for, for K-State sports. But what has been your your favorite moment that both of you have covered on the show? Oh. Um, I think our our episode when Bruce Weber um, retired, I thought that was pretty good. Um, we hadn't done one in a while, so we, we had a lot of stuff to cover. Um, but mm-hmm. I think that was pretty good. Um, man, just stuff to cover during the show. I mean, obviously, our stuff with Willie Ar- Archive is a lot of fun, but that's kind of a cop-out answer because we pick good games on purpose. <laughs> um, uh, let's see. Man, oh. there's just not a lot with the basketball season. Uh, that's really that great. It's just That's a lot. Of, I guess Aoka Lee's 61 points. That was definitely really fun. Um, Your guys' intro that. for that was amazing, by the way. <laughs> the, the tribunal ceremony, yeah. I don't. I've set a high bar for whipping out the tribunal ceremony. I don't know what it's going to take to do it again. Probably. He, <laughs> he, he sets he sets a high bar when it comes to in, in, introductions for, for sure. Oh. I don't. I didn't even know how I came up with that. I was just like, what if I just like, <laughs> and then I, I just went I, with it. I just spent like, like I spent thought that pops up in your head and yeah, and you're just like, all right. We're just... I, I, I did it the same day we did the show. I remember spending like looking up. I was like, I spent so much time listening to Gregorian chant music. That wasn't. I don't even know what the language was, but uh, <laughs> some of them were too happy. But I finally found one that fit the vibe, and I think it worked out pretty well. Yeah, it was phenomenal. Yeah. Thank you. All right. So this is a continuation of the question for Wacky Segment of the Week last week, where we posed ourselves the question of if you had to put together a band of four current K-State athletes and just who would it be and what would their band name to be? Oh, it's current K-State athletes? Okay. Yes. So, like a Uh-oh, four I threw band? you a curveball. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. I'm not going to lie. I thought about it. I was like, I was thinking like, I was like, Colin Klein, he just seems like a bass player. Like I just call it, but, um, okay. we got to think. Of I mean, I don't know if you have any ideas, John, but, um, Deuce Vaughn seems like he's a pretty good singer based on that mic'd up. So maybe throw him on some vocals, you know, yeah, we um, both had Deuce of singing. Yeah. Yeah. I put Deuce Vaughn at vocals. I, I if, if Nigel Pack stayed, I would have had a, I would have had a great lineup. It would have been Deuce Vaughn, Aoka Lee, Nigel Pack, and then uh, Leah Carter on the volleyball team. It could have been Aoka Lee and the three midgets, or <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, star-studded cast. You see, I mine was also height based when I did it. I just picked the shortest people I could find from like four different sports and just called it hard over height. Like and they'd be like a power pop. Art of our height. That's a that's a great name. Yeah. A, <laughs> well, I, I was gonna say I think Marquise Noel's got like the swagger and the ego to like play lead guitar, like yeah. really well. I think he would make a great lead guitarist. Whenever I think of like a drummer, I'm just thinking of like a big dude for some reason. I'm thinking so of. I'm, probably, I'm thinking of either. Uh, I'm probably thinking of Felix Anidike or Cooper yeah. 
Yeah. Ooh, baby on one drones. Of those two. Yeah. Baby's got the hair for it, I think. Ooh. Yeah. Or he did. That's I true. think he, he cut his hair, he though. That's, yeah. That's lame. Maybe you can make the case for Ty Zentner as well. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe give, give the kicker some love as well. Like a probably the Who, who's probably... the long snapper with the mullet? I forget his name. Platner, oh, Brandon Platner. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, he he has the mullet. I think that he he could fit. He could honestly do anything. He could be a one man band. <laughs> yeah, like he could just go out there just with like the giant like set of instruments on him. <laughs> the Mary Poppins. Instrument. Yeah, the Mary Poppins. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna say Ty to, might be a bass player. He might be okay. a bass player. You know, like bass player. You know, somebody who's kind of in the background. He's not about that. You know, trying to get all the light. But uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of another good like anybody who'd be a good bass player. Because I was thinking Colin Klein. I don't know why. He just seems like he'd be like you know the bass player type dude. Oh, he has a. You know what, we'll, we'll count it because he's on the starting. We'll count it because he's on true. the coaching staff. Okay. Well, I gotta come up with a band name though. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you can. Oh man, I don't know if I can come up with one on the spot, especially one that's like good. Because <laughs> what I got, I got Deuce Vaughn, Marquise Noel, Cooper Beebe, and um, I'll say Colin Klein. Oh man, here let me go into random word generator. Here is there a random band <laughs> name generator? Wu Tang name generator. <laughs> yeah, random band name generator. All right, let's see what it comes up with. Oh, I gotta. Hold I have to fill some. Okay, there's so much stuff to fill out. Holy crap! I am. I am yeah. painfully curious as to what it would come up with. Yeah. But yeah, I. I think the name that I came up with. I changed the name and the band after the show, to where it was Deuce Vaughn, Deuce Green, Dylan Phillips, and. Uh, oh, who was the last one? I think it was uh, Duffy. Duffy. And I said Deuces Deuces featuring the Bat Cat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like christian duffy would be like i think he low-key would be really good in a band absolutely like i i could see him being I, I feel like he'd be secretly a really good singer looking at him i don't know why i have like an a, inclination like a baritone yeah i look at him and i'm like you know what he, he seems like he could be good at singing christian i, I was I was thinking of of what Blake said about Colin Klein. Is that well, you got to have the quarterback behind the line. So I was thinking there you, you got to have, have the the bass player at, at behind the ones who are taking the front of the stage. Clearly, so that, that's not yeah. that's not a bad pick. Yeah. At all. What about Turf Burn? Is that like a? Could that be a band name? <laughs> Turf Burn is a, uh, that's a fabulous. Name. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Okay, the so um, <laughs> on this random band name generator, you have to put in like a bunch of adjectives of like something you want it to be related, which took too much time. So I just do it randomly. And it's, oh, these names are so weird. The, I think the favorite one I'm seeing right now is the Police Station Revival because it makes <laughs> no sense, but it's what? still, it's still kind of catchy. <laughs> yeah, like the more you it's, think that about it. That sounds like, like a band that already exists. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Police. I mean, if you wanted like, to make one of the K-State defense, it could be the mob revival. Yeah. That, sounds, that, 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 that name sounds like a song you would hear at, at your local Kites Bar and Grill or, or something like that. Not sponsored. Yeah. Let's <laughs> see the Tanner's it. ad read. 
They're playing at Ani Mays tonight, the police station revival. <laughs> I would go see that. I would <laughs> as well, actually. Big, big enemies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, all right. So that pretty much wraps up the preliminary questions. Now, y'all can join us for the recruiting recap of this week in which the football team, which is the only thing that we're covering besides one baseball guy, had four new commits, two transfers, and two JUCO guys. And we'll go from the top. And the first commit was Jaden Jackson at like 9.30 at night, where I just looked over at my phone and suddenly there was a guy committed. But Jaden Jackson is a transfer wide receiver from Ole Miss, excuse me, who ended up canceling his Utah visit after visiting K-State to commit to your Kansas State Wildcats and the new receivers coach, Thad Ward. Now, I'll obviously ask you guys for, for your opinions in a, in a sec, but the first thing that I noticed about Jaden Jackson, just looking at his high school highlights, was the dude was lightning in a bottle when he was in high school. The man could stop and start on an absolute dime and just did not care. He was faster than you. He was twitchier than you. And he was better than you. <laughs> well, that doesn't really explain why he didn't do much at Ole Miss. I believe reeling in a total of 15 catches for 185 yards and a touchdown. Granted, that touchdown was against Alabama. So, you know, he's basically the greatest receiver ever. <laughs> a TD versus Alabama is worth two. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth double points. Yeah, but only if you're a receiver transferring to K-State, then we'll give you that bonus. There you go. Absolutely. But uh, do you guys have anything on Jane Jackson? You guys have any opinions on him, like where he's coming from, what you think he's going to do? I mean, I'll just say I just hope he can add to a receiving core that, like, I don't know. I feel like they could, they kind of brought this up on the three-mile pod that, like, we haven't had, like, a truly great receiving core since probably, like, 2014. There's definitely been some talent, you know, Isaiah Zuber and Malik Knowles, but I just feel like it hasn't really ever come together. To be, you know, maybe that part of that is, you know, coaching style and the way we kind of run our offense that's not really receiver friendly, maybe. But it'd just be nice, you know, what he's played four games in the last two years or something. Like he, has, he hasn't had a ton of, you know, playing time. But I mean, like you mentioned, he's super athletic and hopefully he can uh, make an impact. I, I think for, for the most part, when you're looking at some of the wide receivers, such as Malik Knowles or Phillip Brooks, they're going to have on or off days. And, um, just just the type of uh, variety and options that they have under Courtney Messingham, it just did not come uh, into fruition pretty much through pretty much last year for K-State. Mal- Malik Knowles had some on and I mean, some good moments and bad moments overall. Uh, the LSU game was definitely one to take note of. But adding Jaden Jackson, I mean, he's he's a really dynamic athlete. He can he can really get things going in a heartbeat. I think he just really brings a lot more speed than uh, um, to what K-State hasn't had uh, before. Yeah, that's where I'm at on Jaden Jackson. Uh, he's probably going to step in and be one of the most athletic receivers in the room already. It's not often that you're going to bring an SEC guy uh, from the portal to K-State as a receiver. I mean, I can't think of the time that's happened. Uh, but, you no, know, uh, there was a point made about, you know, our receiver core not having been very talented for a long time. Like, you had to go back to 14, and that was primarily because of Tyler Lockett being, like, a receiver that exists. <laughs> and then Curry, and Curry Sexton had a 1,000-yard yeah. receipt. You know, he had a 1,000-yard season pretty much because Tyler Lockett was on the other side. <laughs> like, that's how much of an impact Tyler Lockett yeah. had. Yeah. Like, the last time we truly had a – 
very high level receiver room was probably 2012, which was like Chris Harper, Tremaine Thompson, Tyler Lockett, like as your top three guys. That's that's a really good receiver room. Yeah. And and And, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Jaden Jackson, he'll probably say he's not going to be the number one guy immediately, but he'll step in. And if you have Malik Knowles or Cade Warner or someone on the outside, if you want to give Philip Brooks like one snap off, as long as it's not third down, put Jane Jackson the slot and let him go to work. Since Philip Brooks has 99 to all attributes whenever it's third down. He is phenomenal. Yeah, for no down. reason. <laughs> no reason. Yeah. What were you gonna say, John? Uh, I was just gonna I was just gonna say um I think Chris Harper was was also a previous transfer from what has been a, a strong football program so far in Oregon uh, as well. So a- adding a Adding a, a a pretty a pretty big time wide receiver from a big football program in, in Ole Miss, um, it could really do you do you wonders for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You want to do the the bit on? We'll switch off. You can do Jordan Wright. Sure thing. Yep. So another defensive back transfer coming in for the Cats. It seems like half of our transfers are defensive backs nowadays. Uh, specifically, a corner JUCO guy, Jordan Wright, out of Fullerton College. Uh, he held offers from Florida State, was on a visit the weekend he committed to us, and was going to visit West Virginia and backed out of it. I mean, he's a prototypical corner for what this staff likes. Uh, long arms, uh, good size. Uh, like, I think he's like six foot six one, about 180. So, you know, definitely, definitely not short like the K-State corners of old. <laughs> and uh, Jordan Wright, I mean, anytime that you beat out Florida State, you know, West Virginia has been recruiting to really high level that automatically lends credence, I think, to the quality of recruit that you're looking at. So I don't know if you guys have uh, anything else you want to say on Jordan Wright, but I, I, I really like him as a pickup and it's encouraging to win a power five recruiting battle. Yeah, that's definitely a, a big win. I'll just say I'll just say real quick, John, and let I'll let you jump in. Um, just to be able to wait on those power fives, especially when he's on the visit to Florida State and then he commits to a different school a few hours. That is just really weird. That is, that is embarrassing, but it's yeah, so funny. It's so weird that you, you know, if somebody visits and they're just like, this is sick. So they just immediately commit to the school they just visited to. That's, it's just really weird. But yeah, I think um, adding some depth is definitely the key, kind of the big takeaway from all of these. I think our first 22 are starting like is pretty solid. Um, if you just look at that, I think we have a seriously potential for, you know, double digit wins, but, you know, injuries happen as we know. So you really need to have some depth in these guys. I mean, just generally are really going to help. I think as well, you just look at the Wildcats secondary overall, and it's just pretty much been pretty much been depleted throughout the past few weeks. And I think K-State was due to get, to get a big time transfer uh, and landing a, a Juco All-American uh it's it's a it's a pretty big deal, especially considering like like you said the the options there. I mean, Florida State. I mean, you, you would you would. I mean, if you were to tell me you would get a guy to K State compared to the likes of Florida State and recently West Virginia. I mean that that's some that's some pretty high standards. Pretty blah, pretty high standards you're raising right there. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. Just looking at at highlights because that's all you can really get. I would murder someone for all 22. I'm just saying, hypothetically, hypothetically. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just from what I saw of Jordan Wright is just that he was able to play just about every single coverage and he was able to play pretty well. 
he was able to play some press man, some bump and run. He was able to play a little bit of outside corner with outside leverage. I didn't see him playing in the slot, but he's six one, so he's probably not going to play in the slot. <laughs> he's probably he, he's not he's not that. But another position, John, you mentioned that the defensive back room had been kind of depleted. And if there's one room that I see as depleted going into this previous year and not, not to upset Scott Wildcat or anything, he's a great friend of the show. Uh, Jackson Ean is, should not be <laughs> running back too. So we decided that we were going to pick up another running back too. And that is Anthony Frias, another Juco transfer from Modesto college and another recruiting battle that we ended up winning against numerous other power five schools. And the number one word that I could come up with is bruiser. The guy runs mad. He runs like you just insulted everyone in his family and he is going to hurt you. He runs with a purpose. If he is a, if Deuce is a scalpel, Frias is a hammer and the hammer swings hard. So any thoughts on that? Hey, I mean, lightning needs to fight. I think that Deuce and Anthony Frias will really complement each other. Uh, I believe that'll give DJ Giddens a chance to redshirt and let that kind of player development continue. And then obviously not having Jackson Ian as your backup running back. No offense to Jackson Ian, who's a boss, but, you know, put him at fullback. I mean, when I when I first saw him, uh, like, a, like a picture, I was like, oh, man, that's, that's a bad man. He, he's going to – I mean, another word you, you, could, you could probably consider is bolder. I mean, he, he, is, a, he is a big guy. Um, all-conference running back ran for 851 yards um, throughout his time over in California. I mean that that's 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 a pretty big uh, that's a pretty big guy they're getting uh, to add some further depth in the running back room for sure. I think a good K State comp for Anthony Frias is probably Harry Trotter, and some people probably will shudder when they hear that, but. Also keep in mind that he's not RB1 and he's going to be behind a really, really good offensive line. One that has the potential to be the best in the big 12, I would say if they reach their, their full potential. So I, I, I think the staff was uh, dead on in getting a guy that's going to come in and immediately make an impact as a total change of pace back to Deuce. You could not be more different than Deuce Vaughn than Anthony Frias is unless you're, like Legarrette Blunt, maybe <laughs> like <laughs> one yard in a cloud of dust, baby, and like three yeah. Super Bowl rings. Yeah, yeah Frias, pure power back, really big guy. He may only get two or three yards, but he also is going to get two or three yards if you need him to. So, like, you, you have to respect that in a running back. And he's also a willing pass blocker. Bill Snyder would have loved Anthony Frias. <laughs> um, another good comp for that, maybe Alex Barnes. Uh, of course, that's a high ceiling comparison, but it's uh, uh, it's somebody that has a similar style to yeah. Frias. It's also probably my favorite K-State player because we're from the same town. Yes. But so just a hypothetical here. Um, so you have Deuce Vaughn, who is your more scat back type and probably your running back one, who's the shifty one. You have Anthony Frias, who I think instead of Harry Trotter's two or three, he will get a violent five pretty consistently. And then Devrin Weathers, from what I've heard, is a one cut and go back. So you have elusive, you have pain, and then you have one cut, which 
if that's the running back room, absolutely yeah. I'll take it because you have and every then, scheme fit yeah. that you need. And then you just have Giddens, who's just an athletic freak who just does things. Yeah. And you know what? Every running back room needs DJ Giddens. You know, somebody that will just go on the field and maybe one play they're a one cut. Maybe the next play they're a power back. Maybe the next play they're a speed back. Who knows? They'll, they'll just go out on the field and they'll just do whatever they need to do. But I'm looking forward to seeing DJ Giddens in the future. I know that's a little bit off topic from Freas slightly, but uh, we keep hearing exciting things about Giddens and it makes me really anxious to like, actually see him on the field. I was crossing my fingers that we'd see him at the bowl game, but instead we saw Jordan Shippers get carries late, which is fine, but I, I was hoping to see Giddens there at the end. But, yeah, that can move us into the final transfer uh, from a familiar school as a certain fan favorite, uh, Drake Cheatham. He's a transfer defensive back from Prairie View A&M. And uh, as the outline describes him, he's a genuine center fielder. Um, shades of Russ Yeast, hopefully. Um, I think he's more athletic. Uh, which, if that's the case, you're going to absolutely take that because Russ Yeast just had a phenomenal season for the Cats. Uh, just got drafted, as many of you know. Uh, he's got great size, comes at the recommendation of one Reggie Stubblefield, and everybody loves him. So what can possibly be wrong with Drake Cheatham? So what are your guys' thoughts on him? I mean, if he's sauce boss approved, I mean, like, dude. <laughs> do I mean, we need who to are say we anything? to disagree? I know, who are we yeah. to disagree? Who are us mere mortals to disagree? <laughs> I mean, I guess the one thing to note, you know, obviously he's at, you know, Prairie View A&M, you know, like a, what, he's in the swag. But, I mean, you know, he played against Texas A&M and Houston. I think in those two games, like 12 tackles in each, and I think he forced a turnover. So, I mean, he's been able to yeah. make plays in big games. Um, seems like he's a really smart guy. Um, I, it seemed like, based on what I've heard, he was a leader kind of in the locker room, you know, just a film junkie. Just seems like an all-around high-character guy as well as a pretty good football player. Uh, I think he'll be a great addition. Yeah. John? Yeah, I, I think similar to what Blake says, he's going to he's going to likely provide uh, a big boost of, of confidence to this team. P- pretty similar to what Reggie Stubblefield did. And I mean, I, I mean, if you're one to go up to um, some talent that you've had before with, with the likes of Reggie Stubblefield, uh, I, I think Prairie View and M is, is, is a great way to go towards um and especially when you're considering making smart plays, smart decisions, it ultimately leads you to success. Um, the two-time first-team all-swag selection, I believe, uh, it's going to be it's going to be a big pickup for sure for K-State. Yeah, absolutely. And I I put on the outline that he's a, a genuine center fielder, and I stand by that. But he's a lot more than just your standard free safety. He very well could slide down and play that Reggie Stubblefield role. He could play that true middle of the field safety in a, in a cover three and not die on a deep post from Romeo dubs. And it's just, it it really is a versatile piece in a secondary that had a collection of role players and had a collection of people that are, you know, obviously good. You have the outside corners and echo Island and the Brent's peninsula and the the Brenensula, if you will. (laughs) <laughs> Did just come up with that? Yes. Put it on, put it on, put it on a t-shirt. Put it on a t-shirt. <laughs> Give the NIL money to Julius. Um, <laughs> but I've actually seen that guy in person, and his arm length is—it's it, ridiculous. No human being should be built with proportions yeah. like that. <laughs> but he—he uh, he is quite literally built different. But 
Um, you have TJ Smith, who's that enforcing safety. You have Sean Robinson, who I think we're kicking down a linebacker. That's kind of what it's sounding like. At least he's going to play a little bit of linebacker. Yeah, so basically the Wayne Jones role. Hopefully a little bit more successful. But <laughs> no offense to Wayne Jones, but he, he was not a linebacker. So, yeah, it's just another piece to that defensive backfield that he can play that slot role that we'll be missing with that star, Jack, Joker, whatever you call it, defender in the 3-3-5, more hybrid defense. So I think Cheatham pretty well slots into that almost immediately, which is one of the biggest holes on this team. And now it's filled. <laughs> yeah. Really, really nice pickup for the staff. And, and it's just another, like, it's the cherry on top of a great recruiting weekend. One of the best recruiting weekends that K-State's had in a long time, just for quantity as well as quality of prospects. I, I mean, all quality transfers, all instant impact guys. I mean, these are all going to be guys that we see on the field next year, right? will be probably first guy off the bench. Jackson might be in the same role in the receiver room. Frias is going to be Deuce's spell guy. Cheatham. Like he is either going to start or see the field early and often. So um, quality pickups across the board. Absolutely. And if we're lucky, we'll see three commits who are also in positions that have back in their name. And now I will not be elaborating, (laughs) (laughs) but that pretty much wraps it up for football recruiting, but there's still one more sport that we need to cover that had a brand new commit. And that is of course the new commit to the Batcats, which is Elgin Bennett jr. Who is a 9.5 rating on perfect game, which for the uninitiated, that basically means he should be drafted. Yeah. <laughs> that if, basically means yeah. he's drafted. If you go on the website, which I was so excited when I found out that there was a place <laughs> that had baseball recruiting information. Now you just need to find yeah. women's basketball. Yeah, like that exists. Well, ESPN's supposed to have one. They just don't ever update it. They don't, <laughs> they don't actually care. But yeah, perfect game. Uh, it's out. It's a one to ten ranking system. A nine is like a top ten round and will be draft pick, and a ten is like a future like high pick in the draft. So nine point five, you're probably looking at a guy that's projected to go like round five or four or higher. So phenomenal talent out of high school, uh, at least projected to be his speed score. They do a sixty uh, yard dash, I believe, for it's baseball 60. combines. And his speed in that was they do percentiles. He had the 99.87th percentile <laughs> speed score. So one of the fastest guys available on in the earth. entire class. And, and he's a lefty on top of that. So and it looks like he can pitch a little bit as well. He's listed as outfielder slash left-handed pitcher, which we as currently we have. Oh, <laughs> yeah, we have two loves yeah, his hybrids. Yeah, we have two left-handed pitchers on the roster. And include Dylan Phillips in that. That makes it three, but he should he should never have to pitch. <laughs> but he does. I think he leads yeah. the team in saves. Yeah, but... he leads the team in whip. <laughs> well, that's depressing. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, Elgin Bennett, excellent, excellent, excellent addition. P. Hughes continues to absolutely kill it on the recruiting trail. Uh, just Batcats have struggled to put it together this year, unfortunately, on the field at least consistently. I don't know how big of Batcat guys you are. Um, but uh, we're, we're big back cats fans here at the Aggie Valley cats. I'm not sure if you guys get out to the 
uh, to the games ever or anything like that. Oh no, John shows up oh. to the games. Oh no, I've seen John at the games. John is a menace see, at the games. Love to hear that. You'll, you'll you'll see me show up. You'll see me heck heck, heck oh what like being a heckler at, at a few oh, yeah. of the games. <laughs> uh, I, I was kind of talking some smack at Wichita State a little bit uh, last week, but um, I mean they they dropped the quick trip card. I mean like. They they kind of had it coming. Everything's fair game. If he dies, he <laughs> dies. <laughs> yeah, all is fair in love and war in Quick Trip. Uh, <laughs> I mean, when it comes to baseball recruiting, must admit, not an expert. Um, I, I, I honestly I kind of have a lot of questions. Do you guys know how big like a baseball recruiting crest usually is? Like, um, I don't know how many people usually try to recruit in a, in a baseball class because obviously this year we got a ton of transfers and we worked the portal yeah. a lot. It wildly varies from what I've been able to tell based mainly on roster needs and also just where your team is at. Like we were, we're a very, very young baseball team. We have like three seniors on the whole roster right now. And one of them is injured. Uh, But it looks like for this class, we have 10 guys committed right now for the class of 22. And I think that's about average. Yeah. For a high school level, especially in the portal era, you're probably going to see anywhere between like 10 and 15 guys. And because about three of them to four of them will transfer out after a year. And uh, a few of them will find a home in the lineup and the remaining uh, handful are going to try and uh, develop and break through but in the era of the portal you're going to pick up a lot of the media contributors through there as well dom johnson uh, one of the best players on the team he's a portal guy uh, orlando salinas another portal guy blake adams and connor mccullough are both transfers from arkansas granted at different times but yeah baseball recruiting it, it's a very weird sphere because you don't know anything about the recruitment at all until they announce the commitment pretty much there's not exactly a big market for insider information on college baseball <laughs> recruiting, as you may expect. <laughs> yeah. Who'd have thunk? Yeah. 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 I'll, this, I'll, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. It's um, baseball recruiting is, it, it's getting easier to follow, but yeah, class is about give or take 10. And honestly, that's been Pete Hughes's best trait as a coach is he recruits out of his mind. He's kind of like Jeff Mitty. Yeah. In fact, they're, both of our like main non-rev sports and women's catskiball and bat cats have just absolutely god tier recruiting, and mm-hmm. then just on the on the field or on the court, sometimes Mixed it leaves bag. a bit to be desired. Yeah, mixed bag, but yeah, phenomenal, <laughs> phenomenal recruiters they are. Yeah, you were gonna say something, Blake? I honestly totally. For- I was gonna. Oh, I was just gonna say that like. Like I'm kind of like new to the bat cat fandom thing. So Pete Hughes is a great recruiter. He just hasn't been able to put it together his years at K-State so far. Yeah, because he yeah. overmanages games into the next reality. Yeah. Um and sometimes he's aware of that and then he undermanages games. <laughs> like he's he's uh, yeah. That that was always been a, a one of the bigger concerns that I had. I mean, not not really managing the situation situations as well I, I i kind of look at the pitching side more more because i mean when 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 i when i'm seeing a player struggle i mean i i mean pretty consistently i think it's time for him to go but i mean you know pete hughes has some thoughts otherwise and some some of the times it works some of the times it, it kind of comes back to haunt them i'm just kind of thinking of the cal state bakers bakersfield series where it just kind of came back to bite us at the end but I mean, I, I wasn't 
I wasn't fully aware of the baseball recruiting until until I saw your guys' tweet about this guy. I, I think um, a, a lefty will come pre- will come pretty big. Um, just just looking at it, a, a nine point five ten out of ten grade for a perfect game. I mean, that's that's a pretty big pickup for K State. Uh, I, I think I'll, I'll also be interesting to see um, his two uh, 2022 MLB draft ranking on um, uh, was it, is a prospects live? Is that right? I think it's something like that. Yeah, I I, I, I think it's pro- I, I think it's prospects live, but it's it's a big pickup for K State. So thanks for showing that out. So I'm, so I'm aware of that. No, yeah, no problem. We we love the Batcats. I, I thought it was really strange that out of all of our commitment tweets that day, the baseball one got the most <laughs> likes by far. I think it had oh, more really? likes than the rest of them combined. Yeah, yeah the, the baseball one got like 160, and the like the rest of them combined got about 160, like at the most, I feel like. Hang on, I'm checking yeah, this. It was really, it, it was a little out of left field, no pun intended, but... Uh-huh. Yeah, Hey-o! Uh, <laughs> but... But yeah, no, you're you're right, John. Uh, pitching situations are pretty iffy thus far. I do try to keep in mind, try to keyword that they're a young team, but it is very frustrating to watch at times when like a guy just gets left out to dry, and it's clearly just not his day, and you know he just keeps going. And other times he may take a guy out too early, and then brings in someone uh, that you know maybe he didn't need to make the switch like at that point. Yeah, but. You know, baseball is a weird game, and you're just trying to make the best choice possible. And there's also pitchers we haven't seen yet, like Jackson Wentworth. We're talking about the the scale for recruiting. He would have been, he's a true freshman this year. He was a 10 out of 10 uh, recruit on perfect game, and I think was drafted in the 14th round and elected to come to college instead of going to the minors. But he got injured preseason, and we've not seen him. Yeah, so. allegedly we would see him this season. I I don't think it's got to probably not happen. <laughs> I think he's redshirting at this point. No reason to burn his redshirt for the last month or so. I don't even think it's possible yeah. for him to do so. Um, burn his redshirt because I think it's still like a quarter of the season. Is there a uh, redshirt like, rule in baseball? Oh, I don't know. Actually, maybe. Yeah. Well, there's seven regular season games left, so I I don't know if that adds up to anything or not. Who's to say? Uh, who, who knows? Say? Who knows? I'm, I'm going to say it. If you guys don't know, then probably nobody does. So <laughs> we, leave the baseball, we leave the baseball expertise to you guys. Yeah. <laughs> if I had two, if I had a nickel for every single time a K-State <laughs> podcast had deferred to us on baseball news, I'd have two nickels, which is not <laughs> but it's weird that it's happened twice. <laughs> that Doofus Mertz impression? Yes. <laughs> Phineas and Fur, that, that, that's my childhood. Oh, man. That was my childhood. Uh, uh, speaking of summer, we get to talk about the recap of the sport of summer, or as I will always call it, baseball, which is summer sport. I don't care what anyone says. Baseball is summer sport. It owns that. Football is fall. Winter is up for grabs. <laughs> don't ask me what fall is. It's probably still football. But we're going to okay. recap the... Oh, I just said it's always been football in the fall. Yeah, it's always yeah. football. Basketball's in there somewhere, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not a doctor. I don't know where that goes. <laughs> but the we're going to be recapping the Sunflower Showdown for baseball, and we have the stats lined up here. And obviously, we'll we'll tune to you guys for for a bunch of thoughts as it goes. This was a series that 
last week we said was critical to sweep if we wanted a chance at making a regional. Yep. Without magic happening in the Big 12 tournament. Yep. We won the series. Yep. We did not sweep the series. Yep. And we lost the first game quite painfully. <laughs> yep. In front of a, a packed crowd, a packed house, which I feel like most K-State sports have gotten into this bad habit of the most attended games is the ones we lose. Happened yeah. during women's basketball as well. And I think it happened during um, football season because I think the most attended game, wasn't it like, I think it was Baylor because it was senior night. Might have been. Yes, well, I think, well, I think for men's basketball as well. I mean, it's, it's the oh, same. God, KU. <laughs> yeah. I'm, it, I'm giving I'm Marquette. PTSD. KU and Marquette. PTSD, but I mean, yeah. the, the KU game last year, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of looking. It's like the Spider-Man meme when you're pointing at one Spider-Man, it's pointing right back at you. Yeah, <laughs> looking at the basketball, the baseball theme, I was like, oh my gosh, like it just it just hit me from there. But oh man, that, that was that was a rough outing, especially at the ninth inning. I was I thought K State had this game sealed up, but just too many, Literally just too many. Yeah, yeah. Which speaking of, the first game was a five to three loss for your Kansas State Wildcats. And Blake Corsentino ends up, unfortunately, getting pegged with the loss. For the scoring, it started off with a Dylan Phillips homer to dead center field in the first inning. Then in the second inning, Josh Nikoloff ended up hitting a homer to left field, another solo shot. Then KU answered with a single solo shot of their own before Jeff Heinrich capped off the scoring for the Cats with another solo shot to right field. By then, it was all. Oh, Titan. We love you so. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, also... Fun fact, yeah. if you go check the K-State box score for this game, I j- go do it now. The, uh, and if you look at weather, it is 66 yes. degrees Fahrenheit, mostly cloudy, no wind, paren- open parentheses, three exclamation points, close parentheses. <laughs> I love that. That is so great. This is probably the first baseball game at <laughs> K-State <laughs> ever to not have any wind. Yeah. Every game I go to is like 20 mile per hour wind. Like and it's always in your face somehow. It doesn't matter yeah, where you go. And, yeah, it could be just blowing to left field. Like if you're in the grandstands, it'll just wrap around the stands and just hit you right in the face. <laughs> uh, and then you'll end up with chap lips for a week. So <laughs> not that one of us knows about that. Uh, <clears throat> uh, yeah, unfortunately. Unfortunately, uh, the rest of the scoring was all KU, including a home run by Michael Ahuna, a single by Michael Ahuna, who advanced Josenberger to score. It's a great name. <laughs> I can't even be mad at it. And then the final run was scored on a wild pitch. And it just, it, yeah. it wasn't, it wasn't the greatest day. We're not going to go player by player like we normally do because no. we have guests and it is yeah, nice yeah. for them to speak. Yeah, we need to be, You have yeah. permission to speak. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, do you two have any thoughts on this game? Because the only thoughts that I have are, I wish I could forget it. <laughs> Oh, I, I'm going to just pretty much just quote what Ace said. Just very forgettable at the end. And oh, Ma- Maui, Maui Huna. I mean, Maui, it's just an amazing name. Why did I call him Michael? Why did I call him Michael? Where did I get M- Michael from? M name Michael's pretty common. <laughs> <laughs> Maui, it's, 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 a, it's, a, oh, wait a minute. 
Oh, that's that's a town. That's a town in or a village in Hawaii. I think. Yeah, it's an yeah. island in Hawaii. Yeah, it's an island. Know? Island. And he's Hawaii. from. And he's actually from he's Hawaii. From Hawaii. Hawaii. So that's way, tracks. That's, that's way too ironic for me. So it went from Hawaii to Kansas. I never understand. I mean, maybe that's like you know one of the. A, I don't know how what his recruiting was like, but that's just. I was from Hawaii. Was weird. Like, and to a bigger extent, he chose he chose that school in Lawrence as well. I mean, there's so many better options. <laughs> it's like, tragic. like just generally, whenever I hear anybody's from like somewhere else that's like kind of cool, I'm like, why did you come to Kansas? Like, <laughs> what do you, what did you expect when you came here? Because it's definitely like not it's not much. There's not a lot here. Maybe that's what it's, he wanted. Man, that's true. You know, there's a there's a but body of water about. by Lawrence. <laughs> What do you, you mean? Want... They're in the Kansas City metro area, so they're right next oh, to Missouri. My, my <laughs> mistake. My you can mistake. see, you can see Arrowhead Stadium just, just like up, up, <laughs> yeah. up there. And well, you you would be able to see Arrowhead if there wasn't so much art in the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, that'll never get old. <laughs> oh my god! Then you also got the Capitol Building in Topeka out west, but I mean that's all. <laughs> Surrounded by art as well, so I mean, yeah. they do, they just love their art. You can hardly mm-hmm. breathe with all the art everywhere. Yeah, thank <laughs> <yeah>. so much. <laughs> but back to, back to the game. <laughs> uh, back to the game. This was this was a matchup to forget. We can go over the 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 home runs of which there were three, all solo shots. Dylan Phillips, because of course Dylan Phillips had a home run. Josh Nikoloff, who surprisingly has become just about as good at Dylan Phillips at hitting home runs. And then Jeff Heinrich, who's probably like the fifth best hitter on the team. So <laughs> Heinrich as of late has been the best home run hitter because he goes out there and 12. <laughs> Pete Hughes just tells him swing for the fences or don't swing at all. Pretty much like I've like Jeff, I swear half of his hits are home runs this year. Like he just comes in DHs and we'll just hit. One or two home runs a game. Although I don't want to get too ahead of myself. We saw him in right field on Sunday and he had a cannon arm. He made a throw from deep right uh, on a catch and threw it no hop to third base from deep right field. He almost lasered the guy. He almost Ichiroed the guy at third base. It was a Yovenis Cespedes throw. Ichiro just threw something out of Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's one of my favorite calls of all time. But yeah, any final concluding thoughts on the the first game of the Sunflower Showdown? I have no uh, I'll just I was just going to add to your point, uh, Connor, that uh, I just see you know, Jeff Heinrich has um, ten home runs on twenty eight hits, which helps oh his seven forty four slugging. Holy crap! Man. Yeah, that, that that helps your slugging if you hit. If like a third a of your hits bit. are home runs, it's a little bit. Yeah, he. Golly. Yeah, he is bad. Is phenomenal. Uh, like the power that he's had. It's been strange to me that we haven't seen more of him all year. I think like the first month of the year, I don't think he we saw him at all really. And when we did, he didn't do anything. And it seems like he's become an everyday guy now as we've gone down the stretch because we realize he's probably the best hitter on the team <laughs> at least most consistent other than maybe dom johnson and but yeah that moves us into the uh second game of the series where the backhats did come back 
uh, with a win after dropping the first game 5-2. Once again, getting 10 hits. They had 10 hits, but just three runs in the first game. But the second game, they come out with another 10-hit performance, but with five runs, three of them coming in the first inning. I was at this game, really entertaining game. Actually saw um, Jaden Jackson and Thad Ward on the recruiting visit at this game. Yeah, and I saw Will Anciao at the Friday game. <laughs> Interesting. And the football staff making use of the uh, entertainment available on campus. Yeah. But yeah. Packed, have to show yeah. them art everywhere. Okay. That's the last one. <laughs> but, that's, that's, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. Another packed house uh, for this game. People were lining the walls uh, down left and right field. Um, uh, people were sitting in the grass down left field as well. I mean, it was completely packed. Uh, Dom Johnson had a home run on the second pitch of the game. Uh, Jeff Heinrich, uh, doubled and uh, there was a fielding error by right field on this play. Well, what happened was right field, Jeff Heinrich hits like a blooper in the like shallow right, but the sun is just peering directly into the eyes of the right fielder and uh, he just misses a routine play. And then the ball gets past him too. So Jeff Heinrich gets a triple on what normally would be like a blooper out if there were clouds. And <laughs> Uh, ends up scoring Brady Day on that as well. Then Dylan Phillips brings Heinrich in on uh, ground out. Kalen Culpepper adds a uh, monster home run. I think that home run ended up going for like 472. It was 475. Was it was it this day or was it the following? No, yeah. It, no, it was the following day. that I'm going ahead of myself. But Culpepper does home run. Uh, Dom Johnson adds another for the Cats. KU adds a couple runs in the middle of the game uh but most of the runs again come off home runs i mean it, it's a certified toy and family stadium moment and <laughs> yeah, the course field yeah of the Big yeah. 12 now go figure a lot of right-handed hitters had home runs on this day since you know 17 mile per hour win to left <laughs> go figure but yeah yeah a uh, really, really nice day. Dom Johnson goes five for three. Uh, Brady, five, three for five. Three for five. My bad. <laughs> I'd be really impressed if you went five for three. No, he is that good. You don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> he's but, in the yeah, dugout. Brady. He doesn't even need an at-bat. He just gets a hit. Oh, just, yeah. yeah. He, he just gets a hit. Just, no one's at the plate. ganks ABs from other players. <laughs> oh, yeah. He'll go up, strike out, and he just goes up again. Like, he's <laughs> hitting for everybody. <laughs> But I don't know. Were either of you at this game on Saturday? Anybody like, have any thoughts on the Saturday game? Uh, just thoughts on like coming back after a tough loss the day before. Uh, I, I was working. I was working at that baseball game, so um, mm-hmm. I, I'll, I'll start things off. I mean, it was great to see Dominic Johnson really get things going in the second one when he he, he sort of, he struggled a little bit on, uh, on the first. First game against the Jayhawks, he homered twice. Um, I, I think you're, I think you're, you're, you're really gonna have to give credit to Blake Adams as well. He had, he had a quality start as well. Um, it, it was an important, it was, it was an important one for K State. I mean, they had to set the tone and let the momentum in the dugout us uh, uh, kick in. And I, I would say, uh, start out, start right out of the gates, and that, that's what, in that, that's what the. Uh, the, the offense got doing with, with the bats and uh, really, really uh, helped inject the energy uh, into not only the team, but the fans as well. Pump it up. I, I love the whole song this year. Pump it up. 
I don't, I don't know if I, if we were able to get like the Texas Rangers home run song, I mean, that would just, oh man, that, that's, a, we need to get sponsored by Chevy so we can have the Fox sports Chevy call to the bullpen. <laughs> <laughs> that's a deep call. <laughs> oh my God. Oh man. That, that'd just be a lot of pressure building in on, on, on coach Hughes and staff when, yeah. Sure. You were going to say something like, I mean, I was just going to add, I mean, like if we get to, in a situation where we have a game that we need to win, like um, I want Blake Adams and Herman Fajardo to be the pitchers. I mean, especially the way Fajardo looked against Wichita state. And then today, I mean, sh- dude, Oh my Lord, he's got some nasty stuff. I don't know. I don't know if they ever showed the spin rate on his uh, fastball, but I bet it's high. Because, I mean, he's throwing, like, like mid-90s, but he's getting people to swing at this whiff all the time. And his slider, ooh, oh, my word. It's, it's just so much fun to watch. He's just absolutely yeah. electric these past couple yeah. games. I have been loving Herman Fajardo's trajectory this season. It is very reminiscent of Eric Torres last season. They're similar pitchers and their delivery and style. And Fajardo has really come along as the uh, – um, the go-to reliever uh, down the stretch, as well as being a midweek starter. Torres was that guy down the stretch last year. I mean, that dynamic duo of Jordan Wicks for like six or seven innings and Eric Torres to pitch whatever was left. I mean, as an as an opposing team, what do you do against that? Sorry about it. <laughs> yeah. That's what happened most of the time. <laughs> yeah. And that's not to take anything away from Blake Adams. I mean, an eight strikeout, two earned runs, six and a third performance. I mean, that's that's a high, high quality start. Love to see that from Blake uh, get back on the horse after a few weird weekends where he was coming out of the bullpen. And I'm glad that he's back on uh, the starting lineup now at this point. But yeah, I'm loving what I'm seeing from the Blake Adams, Herman Fajardo uh, combination. Uh, that's a, that's a, that's a great combination, combination, uh, combination right there. Uh, I, I did notice a, a change when it, when it came to the pitching as well, it just seemed as if Fajardo uh, uh, for, uh, um, just just really got a lot more speed. I mean, he 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 preserved victory with two uh, uh, two and two thirds hitless uh, innings of relief. So um, when it looked like KU was kind of getting back into the end of his, kind of getting back into things when Blake Adams was pitching uh, late in the contest, um, it was great to see. Uh, oh man, Herman for. Uh, Fajardo, uh, see of a deal. I, I always get mixed up. German, Herman. I mean, I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm just kind of <laughs> no. I, 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 leave, I leave that to Blake. But Blake is just, I mean, he'll, he'll try every, like, he'll try just scan it and, and, and he's going to try, try and name it as best as possible. I'd like to think I'm like pretty good with pronunciations for the most part. I get, I definitely give it a good try. But and you uh, and I, I mean, shared a Spanish class, so I hope you yeah. can pronounce her mom. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can roll my R's, you know. I can. Uh, and, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Fajardo in this game, he he was super confident, too. I mean, there was that one at bat. He was just throwing sliders right in the – or uh, fastballs right in the strike zone, and he was just, like, trying to hit this, and they still couldn't. I mean, he was just – I mean, he knew he was on – um, and it was just, I mean, it was really fun to watch. This was a huge win, you know, just to force a rubber match on Sunday. Cause you know, you obviously want to play in the big 12 tournament, even if you're the eight seed, just to have a chance to, you know, race some hell. Cause you know, might as well. Yeah. yeah. 
get, just mess and, around in the Big 12 championship and then uh, make your way into the <laughs> tournament. I think that Why has not? to happen. Why not? Why not us? Why not us? Well, Our there's probably team. a lot of reasons, but uh, no, why not us? <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah, if it, if it's not going to be icy cold Rothermel, who I haven't seen in several weeks, I think he might be hurt. But just the situations that they put Rothermel in, and he just said okay, and then solved the problem was kind of ridiculous. And I haven't seen him in months, so I assume he's hurt. But <laughs> there's a reason I call him ice cold. But. <laughs> The next game was the rubber match of the Sunflower Showdown in what seemed like a speed run to get the game over with. The time in this game was two hours and 19 minutes. They were speed running this game. Yeah. <laughs> like, because you and I were sitting there, it's like, oh, it's the ninth inning. Oh, uh, uh. Yeah. yeah, we did not realize it was the ninth inning until KU had, until people started clapping. Like, uh, like as they do late in the mat, like like late in the game when uh like they're trying to yeah. like, cheer on the pitcher. We were like, why are they doing that? Oh, they? it's a ninth oh. inning. <laughs> we should be clapping too, actually. So well not, yeah. not only clapping, but you gotta do the woo. That woo! Yeah. yeah, right. That's right. I, I was I, I was I like that. I was, I was working for K-State HD TV in that game, and I, I I noticed that as well. The game was going a lot, a lot quick. Uh even during the timeouts, they were going. They were kind of rushing things a little bit as well. I, I was, I was, I was kind of working the commercial, the commercials and all, um, and and like right before about to go on, there's like ten seconds left on this on this commercial. It's like, hurry up, come on, come on, come on, cut it, cut it, Wait, was was Will directing, John? I highly was, doubt it because it was such Will, a fast was, game. Yeah, he Will was? was. Yeah, oh he my was. Gosh. So, so Will is like a student director for some of the games. All the games he does are super duper long. Every game he does is like <laughs> three and a half hours. So, like, I guess he, I guess he's just redeemed himself with like a just a real quickie. He could, uh, yeah. he, he couldn't, he, he couldn't make it. He he couldn't make it uh the day before, um, which our our director Andy Leaves took over. Yeah. Um, uh, um, Brian Smoller, who was who was calling the game, was like, uh, and and uh, Will was supposed to be directing this game. Hope, hope you can get well soon. And then, but a day later, Will, Will comes back. He's like, "Oh, you're back. Well, he should have told us about what happened." Is <laughs> some some of the actions and all. It's it, it's great. It's great. I, I said that I sent that clip to Will. He was quite touched. It was. It's a touching well, moment. I, I, I know. I know. Andy uh, has been. Well, Andy was trying to send them. But I always saw them as yeah. gifs and all that stuff. <laughs> he tried to send a video as a gif, but gifs don't have audio, which completely <laughs> ruins the point of sending it. And then he tried to send it. <laughs> and then he sent it again. It didn't Oops. have audio. Like It just says he's deleted three messages. <laughs> and I was scared. I tried to put it in the group chat, but I didn't want to look like an idiot and have to delete a message. <laughs> but he got it eventually. I mean, that was kind of a whole tangent, but he got he saw it eventually. So... <laughs> and we ended up on the tv we ended up on yeah, ESPN plus right yeah my yeah, I think my my mom and my dad like just sent me a, a picture of uh ace and i just like being like the lone two people in our section like <laughs> <laughs> at the seventh inning and i was looking real happy to be doing 
I looked like I was like looking for people that like might like help catch me, me. bashing. Help <laughs> me. But yeah. Anyway, this was a six to three victory in favor of your Kansas State Wildcats in a game that we weirdly got out hit. But okay, yeah, they scored that one a hit, but it should have been an error. There was a play in center field in which I yelled to tree at the perfect time. And the center fielder forgot how to catch a baseball. At least that is the story I'm telling myself. He definitely did not misjudge it off the bat. So, <laughs> but yeah, this was a game that K state was actually down going into the fifth inning. Cause it started off with a Jeff Heinrich Homer, because of course it did before KU hit their own, uh, got their own run on a fielding error by Jeff Heinrich, who, almost redeemed himself by hosing the guy at second base. Yeah. yeah. Now that was the big lesson from this game on Sunday was that Jeff Heinrich should be the everyday right fielder because he has just an absolute cannon on his, on the right arm. I mean, he, he should be playing out there every day unless he just got like some horrible, like error rate in practice or something like that. But I mean, like he has the biggest arm on the team out of any outfielder. It's not even particularly close either. <laughs> Yeah, then the next runs were scored by Josenberger on a sack fly in the fifth inning for KU. And then the rest, it was all cats with Dylan Phillips doubling home two runs, those being Jeff Heinrich and Brady Day. For Nick Goodwin ended up hitting a called shot by you, which you've called a lot of home runs, where you said Nick Goodwin is just going to hit a bomb here. And then he did. And then Kalen Culpepper in that same inning hit a two run, another bomb. That scored both him and Cole Johnson, which capped up the scoring at six to three in favor of the Cats. Yeah, this was the Cole Pepper four seventy five shot that was just I, I mean, the, shot. Yeah, like there's the home runs of Twinton where they come off the bat and you're like, eh, and then the wind carries them like an additional like forty feet and they just kind of get out. And then there's the ones that get out and like they come off the bat and you're like, all right, bye, <laughs> all right, bye, yeah. <laughs> gone forever i guess yeah and that was the difference between the good one and cold pepper ones because the good one one like it like you could pretty much tell but like it wasn't a sure thing till it was over the fence cold peppers was long gone off the bat i felt but yeah it was entertaining game a quintessential bad cats game where you know they score all on home runs and then like a freak like missed fly ball by the center fielder which granted uh it, it was a very, very high pop-up in the shallow center, and it was a very cloudy day. So, you know, I, I do not envy the job of that center fielder. I think the best part was just how confidently he was camped under it. Like, he had his glove lined up and everything, and then you can see the exact moment that it dawns on him that he is not in position to make the play because every muscle in his body moves at once, and none of them move in the same direction. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. He did not notice till the 11th hour and he misses the ball by probably like three or four feet. And <laughs> poor guy. No, uh, it was a tough scene. And Phillips was upset with himself that he got under that. Cause he like, yeah. like, sm- yeah. like slammed his bat down. And I was like, I, I face palmed when it happened too. I was like, man, like we really needed a home, like a hit there. Like to bring at least one guy in. Cause like, I don't want to get late into this game down, but just luck just pure luck and Heinrich uh, and they come around. And that's a great example of good base running. Like 
always run it out on two outs, even if it's like a routine play for an outfielder. You never know when someone's going to be stupid and to your advantage. So <laughs> that's 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 also and that's another t-shirt. <laughs> you never know you never when know. someone is gonna be stupid to your advantage. <laughs> that's, that's a t-shirt. That's not a t-shirt, that's a life philosophy right there. <laughs> that's, a, that's just you pay extra for a really long like license plate. Um, no, you just get a decal sticker. It's like anyway, running, the guy anyway. running during Forrest Gump. It happens. Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> That's another poll. But <laughs> yeah, this was a you know just pretty good day all around. Heinrich went three for four. We had doubles from Dylan Phillips. I think that was the error. And then home runs by Jeff Heinrich because, of course, it was Nick Goodwin earning that second part of his name in Goodwin. And then Kalen Culpepper peppering one to center field. And then the lone error being Jeff Heinrich, who again almost redeemed himself by absolutely sending one just directly to the Star Wars Death Star laser. So, yeah. That one got out of the atmosphere pretty quick. Yeah, that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Again. Yeah. What do you all have any any thoughts on this game? Just the the final Batcats game before the series against Baylor upcoming. I think it starts Friday, tomorrow. Yeah today when the episode comes out oops <laughs> yeah oops the magic of the magic of the movies <laughs> anyway, uh, i mean I mean, <laughs> I mean it would have been nice to sweep ku we probably should have sweeped them because they're not great um but you know you still get the win as long as you can hold serve you know with whatever KU's doing um you know the best teams in the big 12 are behind you you know, you got a chance to get some wins, Baylor, West Virginia, you know, we'll see how they go, especially, you know, you know, on the road, it's going to be, it's going to be tough because it's a totally different team. Not, not at Toynton. Um, I forgot. I guess I was going to ask this to start off. Um, do you guys think uh, Culpepper will? Uh, yeah. Uh, do you guys think Culpepper will move up in the lineup? He, he's been battling like ninth. He's had a, he had a pretty good series last weekend. Yeah. He was batting second last week. Yeah, yeah, last week. Oh, for, yeah, there was like a three to four game stretch where we had him in uh, the two hole, and I was like, "This is interesting." And then we moved him back to nine. I was like, "Okay, forget about that." I guess, but you know, yeah, we get Baylor at home this weekend, uh, and then we have a one off game at Virginia Tech for reasons, and then uh, we close out regular season at West Virginia. So I'd like to see Cole Pepper move up a little bit in the lineup. Um, like we're getting to the point where we may need to move Dylan Phillips down a little bit more because he is, has not really been hitting particularly well uh, recently. Hasn't hit a home run in a while. Uh, a lot of the young guys on the roster, sans Jeff Heinrich, who is really, really old, <laughs> um, uh, they, they've been hitting quite well recently. I've been really Im- impressed with uh, uh, some of the younger guys. Good one's really been finding his stride recently. He through two years has come off to me as the type of guy that's going to be playing his best baseball at the end of the season. Uh, and that's kind of how it was last year. He really was uh, going off by the time we got to the tournament, which, you know, like if you're going to play, you're, if you have to pick a time to like, if you're not going to be consistent, you have to pick a time. The best time is probably like towards the end of the year. So, but I'd like to see Kayla move up that maybe around six ish right now, drop nickel off a little bit. Uh, maybe Johnson a little bit because Johnson and Nikoloff do have some power and they can be reliable. So they still have some utility down there. Uh, but Culpepper's just been so red hot recently. I'd like to see him move up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, have a, even, I, I mean, even defensively theory. too, I was just going to say, he's been making some crazy plays. 
Yeah. A fun fact, Kalen Culpepper is a natural shortstop instead of a third baseman, which um, led to me at the beginning of the year asking Nick Goodwin and Kalen Culpepper to switch positions, but that's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> but I have a theory that uh, it's actually just a dice roll every single time. Like Pete Hughes just has a nine sided die. He's like, all right, where's Kalen going to hit today? I guess he's <laughs> sitting in the eight hole again. <laughs> Uh, tough luck for Kalen this year. <laughs> He's batted nine and eight a lot. So <laughs> he got on a good run when he was batting second for a while. Maybe it's by series. Maybe so. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that pretty much wraps up. On the, John, you have anything to anything to wrap up the series? Oh, uh, n- nothing really much else. I'm I'm just kind of thinking a little bit more of. I mean, what what happens if uh, the center fielder for KU was able uh, was able to not make the mistake and uh, actually think smart for once. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm just saying that, that could have been a whole different ball game because I'd put KU right back up at the plate. So uh, yep. it was fortunate to, for that to happen. It really did change over the game um, with Casey starting to rack up more, more and more hits uh, as a, as a, as a game was near to an end as well. So Big, big series win, definitely one you need when it comes to the Big 12 uh, race and re- really an opportunity to seal seal your spot for uh, Arlington uh, with Baylor this weekend. Yeah, so that pretty much wraps up the recap for the baseball stadium. And now we're going to move in to the second consecutive wacky segment of the week because we know everyone has missed it. Looking at analytics, not everyone has missed it. <laughs> we've missed it. We've, we've missed, missed it. it here. We've missed it. It's, it's left a hole in my heart. But it looks like Memphis, with Connor's favorite stadium on earth, where I was, <laughs> where I was willing us to go for a ball game at the famous Liberty Bowl, it looks like at long last, the Liberty Bowl is getting renovation. Finally. Finally. Um, what a dumpster fire of a stadium <laughs> there is. There is exactly one stadium on the continent that is worse than KU's Memorial Stadium, and it is the Liberty Bowl, but no longer because it is getting a major facelift. Uh, I think it's projected to be a, around $200 million renovation to the Liberty Bowl. And it looks phenomenal. I mean, like, like it's like a perfect like city stadium. I feel like, like, it'd look a little bit weird if it was like, I don't know, us or Washington State because it'd be out of place. But it's like in like a pretty large city, so like it, it, it makes sense. It looks like a spaceship on the outside. <laughs> the bowl. Yeah. Have you guys seen the renderings? Yeah, I, I, I it kind of, it kind of reminds me of the UFO spaceship, a little uh, spaceship. <laughs> so, so, something like that, but. I mean, for Memphis, this is this is definitely something you have to put into consideration, especially looking long term into the future with um, with the ever changing landscape of of the college football world and where Memphis uh, where Memphis is in terms of like wanting to uh, make its case to join the to join the I mean uh, ever changing Big Twelve at this point so. Uh, it's a great move for Memphis, great move for former K-State uh, associate athletic director, Laird Beach, who's, who's now VAD at Memphis. So he, he's doing some great stuff over there. It's not the death room, but uh, 
that's the nickname for that like two people on earth, including me, have called Vegas a stadium, just the death Roomba. <laughs> oh, oh, uh, the Raiders stadium. Yeah. <laughs> when I was looking at it, like the uh, while I was in construction, like it, it was, they didn't have the paint onto it yet. So when I looked at it, I was like, oh, it kind of looks like a toilet. But then they kind of <laughs> out of a, like out of a overall uh, black texture as well, just kind of giving it like a, just a just a grimace looking appearance overall so um i I always think about stadium that's pretty cool i mean sofi stadium we flew over by sofi stadium that i mean that place is ginormous it covers so much real estate but uh going back to memphis it it was just really about time that the dumpster fire uh, known, known as the Liberty Bowl, uh, it finally gets renovated because I, I'm sure, I mean, even John Kurtz had, had a terrible seat uh, in the press box. So, I mean, it, I mean, it, it was, it was, it, it was long overdue, scene. long overdue. Tough scene. Yeah. Blake, do you have any thoughts on it before we, we ask the, uh, the final question in regards to, and that's this, the question is what makes it the wacky segment of the week. Okay. Ooh. I mean, I mean, my apologies for my ignorance, but you guys might have to fill me in on what makes this the Liberty Bowl Stadium like so bad. I don't know if we have n- enough time, but um... so <laughs> we we will we'll tell we'll tell a few stories. Um, okay. So let's say hypothetically that we had a friend who was at the Liberty Bowl in 2019. Let's say okay. let's say hypothetically, right? In this hypothetical world where this happened. Um, let's just say that hypothetically it was raining on that day. Let's say that it was raining one day, then they were practicing on the field. Right. And let's say hypothetically, some of that rain leaked through the concrete bleachers into the locker room. Let's say hypothetically that happened. Um, this is all obviously hypothetical. Uh, we, we don't know, but, um, let's just say that this happened multiple places in the stadium. I don't know. I don't understand how, of course, Hypothetically, hypothetically, I don't understand how concrete leaks unless you have really bad structural damage. Yeah, I'm just saying it's it's an old stadium. There's not a lot of great uh, vantage points. Uh, The seats are really uncomfortable. Uh, The press box is awful from everything that we've heard from every member of the media to ever be in the press box. And (laughs) yeah, um, and then just in general, it's just not a very good venue. It's it's old, uh, peeling like run down just concrete yeah just it's just a really bad stadium it's like if KU's memorial stadium was a full bowl and worse and uh it, it just really you can't say that because the liberty bowl i'm pretty sure has bathrooms that is true they're not good they're pretty bad actually but uh they they do have plumbing in the stadium which is I guess an upgrade. That's sad. <laughs> yeah. But, but oh man. Oh, horrible stadium. But it it's getting a man. major, major renovation. And it's I think it's pretty obviously, like uh John said, it's and they're gearing up for another round of Big 12 membership for the next round of realignment, which I mean, I don't know, we could speculate all day about who it's going to be. Oh, we bring back realignment oh episodes. You're going to bring oh that evil on us again, Connor. Well, it can't get oh, worse, man. can it? <laughs> Don't I say that. I, I am a realignment guru uh, when, when it comes to this type of stuff. So I was kind of referring to the Memphis stuff a little bit. Dan, 
I, I was going to say, Ace, uh, before you say that, I was like, but, but, I was going to question, I was going to pull up this question. I was like, does Memphis actually have bathrooms and not porta potties uh, at their stadium or something like that? I, I don't know. Sure they have bathrooms. They do. They do. They, they actually do. have bathrooms. They're not good. They're they're bad, but they are bathrooms. <laughs> they are Which, bathrooms. That that is the floor. That is the floor. They are one of the bathrooms I mean, of all time. Yeah. Every squirrel finds a nut. So <laughs> exactly. But here's the question that makes it the wacky segment of the week. There are one of two possible theories that could explain why Memphis decided to renovate their stadium. I'm going to ask you which theory you subscribe to and think very carefully about this because it is a very complex question. This is what we call in academia a level three question. (laughs) So did they do it because A, they want to gear themselves up to give themselves more prestige for another round of getting into a power five conference and leaving the American? Or B, did they listen to the Aggieville Alley Cats and hear <laughs> that Connor Balthazar hates the Liberty Bowl more than he hates just about anything else on this earth and decided we must rectify this great sin. I know which one I subscribe to. Choose your answers carefully. Choose your answers carefully. <laughs> and no, it can't be a combination of both. This is a binary choice. <laughs> okay. Uh I'll and this just... will this will determine of whether or not you're ever invited on the show again. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just point out that I mean they're already they're already doing some steps to like I mean not necessarily join the Big Twelve but just kind of I mean they they like a couple months back they just became a research one institution so I, I don't know I mean I, I the, Li- the Liberty Bowl is an absolute dumpster fire and I mean. Hearing, hearing, um, hearing some thoughts from, um, from, uh, oh man, just, just seeing, just seeing the, the, the reactions from the Liberty Bowl, especially yours. I mean, he, they probably listened to it. I mean, they, they, I don't know. (laughs) I I think they have a absolute. I'm pretty sure they have. I'm, I'm pretty sure they have. They have just probably have an A plus PR team, and they're just like, dude, we found this guy who thinks our stadium sucks, and they're just like, oh, well, no, God, well then, we well, just then, we just realized. Great this. answer, great yeah. answer, great answer. <laughs> you guys can come back whenever you'd like. <laughs> We're the it's family like a, feud guy. It's like great, great answer. It's like a, <laughs> it's like a self reflection. Like once when they saw, once when they saw your, uh, your podcast. They just had to look into a mirror. It's like, what am I? Like, what, <laughs> what, what are we really doing? What are we doing here? <laughs> what are You're we not Big 12 here? material. You got to step it up, guys. It's like, and then it's the, the construction is actually just a training montage. That's for the all. Liberty Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that pretty much wraps up all of oh, the okay. content. Oh, nope, John. Unless you have more content. Oh, I... <laughs> I, I was just—I uh, was just gonna make this one last funny remark. You know, you know, some of you abandoned Disney, Disney World, or Disneyland uh, theme theme parks. Yeah, that is—that yeah. is what I think of the Liberty Bowl. <laughs> just completely yeah. run down. I mean, not, not nothing amusing at all. Just, just a lot of sadness. 
Yeah, except they play football in there on a like like multiple times a month in the fall. Crazy. Cra- crazy they what they're doing game. to their athletes. And they get a bowl game. They do. They get a bowl game. Yeah, they have game. a they have a fall game there. That just is like yeah, they get the next Liberty level bowl. weird. You know what? Playing the Liberty Bowl in such a terrible, awful stadium, I think that means I think Memphis hates the troops. <laughs> 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 It's the first responders Liberty Bowl. It is. <laughs> why would they why would they stick the troops in not, such oh, a no. depressing venue? No, no, wait, no. It's it's AutoZone. It's AutoZone. Oh, it's fun. the AutoZone Liberty. So why does AutoZone hate the troops? <laughs> Hard hitting journalism oh. from the Aggieville Alicats and the Shaken Blake show, as always. <laughs> I, I have here in this letter 20, 20 bull sponsors that hate the troops, but I'm not <laughs> going to tell you them. But Collegian needs to get us on a part-time We're the McCarthy's of college football. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that's a distinction. <laughs> I don't want that one, but I guess we have it now. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> we, we've gone down a really dark rabbit hole here. <laughs> yeah, that pretty much wraps up all of the content for today's episode and I'll just do the outro and then you guys can get the final words of the episode. So thank you all so much for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats featuring our wonderful guests at the Shaken Blake show. Please be sure to listen to them and us on Spotify, Apple podcasts, and anywhere that you get your podcasts. And my personal recommendations are the first episode of the Willie's archive series, which is covering the 99, 98, 98 Nebraska game which had the totally legit tackle. Don't ask questions. That guy wasn't a face mask. <laughs> that guy didn't even have a face mask. That's how legit the tackle was. Yeah, yeah, it was so long ago. Clear so. as mud. Yeah. <laughs> but thank you all for listening to this episode. If you want to contact us, please feel free to contact us at Aggieville ACATS on Twitter. That's capital A, capital A, and capital C and CATS. If you want to email us, we're AggievilleAlleyCats at gmail.com. If you want to follow us on a more personal note, I am at acedward 0 I am at Connor Balthasor, capital C, capital B. And if you want to support the Aggieville Alley Cats financially, please be sure to visit our official Aggieville Alley Cats merch store where we have such designs as Play Sandstorm Cowards, Neon Alley Cats, and Doomtang Clan. But most importantly, let's give the final words to our wonderful guests, John Grove and Blake Crawford of the Shake and Blake podcast. Feel free to plug your show, plug your socials, and just Tell everyone one last time what you're all about. Well, I mean, first of all, thank you guys for having us on. It's been a real pleasure. Um, I guess personally, for you can follow uh, us on Twitter at ShakenBlake312. Uh, we're on anywhere you get your podcast, just ShakenBlake. Um, you can take, we've done a few rounds of trivia on Sporkle. You can go to sporkle.com, look up K-State Sports Trivia, uh, round one, two, or three. I've also done ones where you can try and get all of the uh, academic, or not the, the All-Americans for football and basketball um, if you're looking for those, those will just be in the description of any episode that we've done. Um, I don't think there's anything else for us to plug. Uh, we're not going to do an episode. This will just be our episode for the week with y'all. Um, I'm moving up to Michigan for an internship, so I got to get set up there. We'll probably do something next week, John, and figure it out from there. But um, I don't. You got anything else, John? Cats by ninety. <laughs> Cats by ninety. Cats by ninety. Yeah, yeah, Ema, 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 right. <laughs> all right as always thank you all for listening and we'll stay safe alley cats